0: this is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host Brent Billings. Today we continue Jesus's discussion about the place of persecution in the coming days, decades, and centuries. What is the Holy Spirit's job,
1: or at least one of them, in this process of glorification? The Book of Glory. We are talking about this process of how I just can't, I can't, I love that we chose the Book of Glory. And every time we say it, I can't. Unhear in my mind the echoes of the book of Hebrews, um, where the writer keeps talking about this is like when when it comes to Jesus showing us how to suffer well, showing us a new way to be human, being a model for us. And there's this conversation about and in doing so, he brings many sons to glory. And that idea of glory, it just so it works so well. Those two ideas work so well together. Um I just Love it so much. But talking about what I don't love, how about that chapter break there, <laughs> huh, Brent? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, and that doesn't mean that I broke it in the right spot. It's just, it's just, uh, it was a weird one. Like, we wrapped up the conversation about the vine, and it's, and obviously, it's one continuous conversation. So, really, I mean, ultimately, there shouldn't be a chapter break at all. And yet, verse 26 there, 26 27 felt weird to be the end of the previous conversation rather than the beginning of the one we're having today but I don't know I could be wrong but felt a little I weird mean, to me the
0: NIV does put the subtitle here at the beginning of verse 26 so the, I think the NIV kind oh. of agrees with you there okay um
1: yeah this one I, the NRSV the did, did, did not the NRSB definitely has this as the the end of a previous section, it goes through a verse, let's see, what am I looking at here? It's going to go into verse 4, it's going to be the end of the previous conversation of John 15 in their world, so,
0: wow, I don't know, we'll see. The, the NIV doesn't even break the sentence there, they have ver, uh, verse 4, the same, and the beginning of verse 5 all in one sentence.
1: Yeah, the NRSV does, well, no, it, it does break it, yeah. Absolutely, it's actually four a where they put the subtitle right after, right in the mid, the middle of verse four. But uh,
0: I feel like we've talked about it before. But who who put the chapters and verses? Who broke it down like that?
1: Oh man, I, I honestly, I'm I'm assuming it's probably a later. Um, I, I should remember. I know I've learned it before. It is not stuck in my consciousness. Like I want to say it's when they put together the canon, but I actually don't think that's the case. If my memory serves me right, the verse numbers came later in the. Process the canon was established first, and and there's multiple ages and periods of when the canon is established. But right, it might be with one of those. But yeah, I can't remember. It's a good, great,
0: great question. But who whoever was doing that process was essentially um commenting on how they felt like things were broken up as well more or less um by where they put these breaks and in this case I feel like I can kind of see it going either way verse 26 and 27 of 15 could sort of be included in sure yep in the previous yep. chapter or it could be part of this or it could even stand on its own like and there's yeah. the, the language is uh I don't know it it's interesting Some of them, like Genesis 1, bleeding into the first couple verses of Genesis 2, that one just completely boggles my mind. I don't understand how they could break that there. But this one, it's like I, I can see how they maybe landed on the thing that they did. So, yep. Uh, so should we get into the text then? I think we should. I'm not, I'm not going to let you read very far before I have something to say. Uh, yes. The, the spirit of Bema, the spirit spirit of truth in the passage and the spirit of Bema in (laughs) not getting too far without comments.
1: That's right.
0: When the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning.
1: All right, so we hit, we we return to this advocate, and I'll just I'll just stop right there and say, boy, we had an advocate before; we have an advocate now. We're going to have a conversation about the Holy Spirit before; we're going to have a conversation about the Holy Spirit now. I have definitely felt like, with a very large degree of confidence, that there is a chiasm happening here with John 15 somehow and somewhere in John 15, sitting at the center of that chiastic discussion. Um, and for whatever reason, like I said, I've never wrestled with the you know the Pardez nature of John 15. Uh, I'm just always talking about John 15. I've never done a ton of work on the chiasm there to see what the takeaway is. And yet we have a listener in California, Brian David. He loves, he loves to pull out the chiasms and he thinks and has said on the Slack channel often that he thinks Rabbi John here loves chiasms and he will often jump on there and give us a graphical representation of chiasms that are at play. So when this releases, I double dog dare Brian David to jump on Slack and give us the chiasm breakdown of what's taking place here in John 15 and then if I can if I can if I can bug Brian, he's gonna be with me in Turkey I might be able to I might be able to bug him and see if I can pull all these chiasms together and maybe before we're all done with John and move on to whatever's next in the Bayma podcast, maybe am I making promises here, Brent? Maybe we can have an episode where we just dive. Maybe I could talk Brian into being on the episode with us and we could just walk through chiasms and John and see what's going on in John. Chiastically. That would be fun. That's very Bayma E if I do say so myself, what do you think, Brent?
0: I think you're really giving away the secrets of when we record because this episode (laughs) is probably going to come out August 11th and Turkey is at the beginning of June. So
1: there's no doubt. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Nevertheless, um, past tense, there, present a lot, tense, future a lot of tense trips
0: people we got to get we got to record ahead cuz you know Marty's got things to do
1: so maybe maybe that's why John plays fast and loose with the time continuum maybe John like wrote his gospel ahead of time and he was just like ah forget about it and just mashed it all together by the time. <laughs> he was he was just like me he liked to be ahead of the ball game and have a bunch of passages in the hopper before he published that thing who knows uh but anyway so we have we have this discussion about the advocate I feel like there's a chiastic discussion taking place here. And then we talked about in the last advocate conversation, I suggested maybe there was an etzer connecto because there was a lot of marriage language that continued all the way kind of towards John 15. And one of the other things I mentioned about the advocate was it also had a, had a legal, like you would have a, and again, they don't have the same modern Western courtrooms that we're familiar with today, but they would have had an advocate in a legal sense and I have this word, testify. Um, what what gets said here? Uh, the Spirit will, truth will come to the Father. He will testify on my behalf. You are to test, and you also are to testify. Uh, and this is kind of above my Greek pay grade here. But I'm just wondering if there's even a, if there is actually a legal motif that's happening in the midst of this conversation about the advocate from a, you know, he's talking about persecution. He's talking about struggle and persevering. And I wonder if one of the things that Jesus isn't trying to say here is that, in fact, you know, there is a, there's, there is an element to what the advocate is doing there. That is uh, standing by us and pleading our case and vindicating us. I I don't know, but those are some of my thoughts as I read those, as I heard those first two verses being read.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that we come back to this idea. Like Jesus is still talking. He still has stuff to share, but he's like, Hey, don't forget advocates coming it's gonna it's gonna take care of some things that i you know that i haven't done yet or that or not not i guess he says uh yeah it'll it'll just make things make more sense
1: yep yep
0: even though you don't understand now like that's fine you'll you'll get it you'll get it and you'll have help
1: yep and not to take away anything from the you know jesus actually said this and when Jesus said it, it meant something but to to consider this being written by John decades after the fact, and all the perspective that he feels like I'm sure he and his his fellow apostles have gained through what the Holy Spirit has taught them and done through them, how much more how much more uh that would have impacted him as he wrote about this conversation that's a pretty beautiful thing to think about and imagine, okay uh All
0: this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. And uh, like, I'm just... the So the NET points out, like, the putting out of the synagogue thing uh, is something they're going to experience from the Jewish side of the world. Yep. And then the killing you as a service to God is something from the Roman side of the world. But I just can't help but think like what, what was John thinking about when he wrote this? Because by the time this is actually penned, uh, the whole story of Saul and Paul uh and the conversion and his persecution and all that stuff would have would have been yep well known. So I just yep. yeah, I, I wonder.
1: And yeah, and we talked about a couple episodes ago, like Philip. Is Philip's story has it found its culmination? Do we know like how many martyr you know martyrdoms have already happened? Uh yeah, those words carry a lot of weight depending on what is fresh on their mind and hearts in the last just few years.
0: Yeah. Uh they will do such things because they have not known the father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you.
1: Okay. So I'm going to interrupt you here while my brain is still functioning in that last paragraph. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so Jesus says, "I'm telling you all this because you are you are going to need to remain in me. You are going to need to abide in me. You are going to have to follow me to the cross. You are going to have to persevere in the in the midst of persecution. Like that last episode, we called the the pruning work of persecution. You are going to be pruned in many ways by the Father, and one of the ways you're going to experience that is through the persecution the the persecution that you are going to uh, endure. But then there's this." I I can't I can't help but think of like how do I hear how do I hear Jesus' tone here? And he and he said it in John 15 too, but he talked about like, well they don't know they don't know the Father, and if they knew the Father they wouldn't do this, but they don't know the Father. And like what tone do you hear him? Like a really judgmental those are outsiders, those are the lost, they don't know the Father, and if they knew the Father, like what what is his tone? because i can't help but hear those words and think about him on the cross saying father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing does he say that with a judgment of light and darkness i've come to bring judgment and maybe our maybe our passage today will even speak to that I, there's i mean the conversation is headed there here in a paragraph but or is he saying that with a tone of I understand that they don't know the Father, and that's what's driving them to do this. Like, have does Jesus have this tone of, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. If they knew the Father, they would realize, but they don't know you, so they're doing this because they think that it honors God, their pagan's God, their, their Jewish God, whatever. But man, they just don't know. Like, is it this empathizing, um, gracious uh comment and tone or is it just this judgmental oh if they knew god they wouldn't do this but they don't know god because they're lost um like what what is the tone that's that this is read with so those those are the thoughts as you read that that i wrestle with as i look at it
0: yeah this was something that uh we were talking about on slack the other day with brian kennedy and and just the idea of like how you emphasize different things as you read. And, yes, and uh, you know, some people do that in more extreme ways than others. I don't, I wasn't intentionally trying to emphasize anything uh, as I was reading that, but I do, I do think I was reading it in the more judgmental sense. Sure. I think,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I was thinking of um, one of the Bible study tools that I was given, I think in middle school, if I remember correctly, um, was just like reading over things, and putting an emphasis on a different word. And I think the tone is its own um, thing that you can shift around and see what it does to the meaning of the passage. But like the tool would be like, they will do such things because they have not known. They will do such things because they have not known. And just reading through something multiple times and like, okay, if the emphasis is here, does that change the meaning in a particular way? And just, Playing around with that and and yeah, I I think I definitely was subconsciously reading it in that judgmental way. So
1: and sometimes the Greek does provide, sometimes it does bring clarity. There there is emphasis in the structure of how the syntax and the Greek works and all. Like sometimes there are answers, though. Sometimes there's not. And uh, I I do love to be more aware of uh, how I'm reading those things. I think it's a great point.
0: Yeah, and the NET points out that uh, this idea of of ignorance, whether that's a, a willful ignorance or just a naive ignorance uh, it is a theme in John. Yes. We see it in yes, chapter it eight, is. we see it in 15, we see it in yep. 17 again later. Yep. Um, so it, it does come up a
1: lot. 100%. It's a great point.
0: Uh, I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are
1: you going? Which you have to pause here and be like, (laughs) I want to know what Jesus is getting at here, because at least two disciples, one of them very directly, I believe it was Simon Peter, a chapter ago, earlier in this very evening, has literally said, where are you going? (laughs) Yes. Where was that? That is in, uh, is that 13? Oh, yeah. Let's see here. Where does it say this? Uh, Thirteen, verse thirty-six. Simon Peter said to him, "Lord, where are you going?" <laughs> right. That's, like, that's the exact phrase he asked him. Yet yeah, none of you asked me where am I going. So, and Thomas in chapter fourteen yes, asks. Yep, yep, absolutely. So you you wonder, like, what is that statement? Is it that they're not asking the right "Where are you going"? Is it they're not asking in that moment where, it, like, I, I I continue to wrestle with what Jesus is getting at there, because they have clearly asked him where he is going, and yet his statement says, I don't know if it's a translation issue, I, I don't know what it could be, but that is a weird, I don't necessarily have a great resolution to that, but there's something there going on with that question, because they, they have literally asked that question, but I digress.
0: Yeah, the NET mentions... um mentions that as well. And whether it's, they didn't understand or, you know, and, and they, they say like the following verse gives the explanation. Instead, your hearts are filled with sadness. It's like the, they think that, uh, Jesus is referring to in that moment, like, Hey, nobody's asking me this now. Like now that we're talking about all this other stuff.
1: Oh, sure. That's a great point. Okay, sure. You're, you're not asking me anymore. Yeah, no, I, and that's a great point. I love that. Okay. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, NET.
0: <laughs> None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned.
1: All right. So, man, that's a big clump of verses that I've always found relatively dense and perplexing. But let's go back up to the beginning of those. Let's see, I'm going to go to verse... Uh, Well, I mean, in verse 7, you have that second reference to advocate, which there was two references before. So, again, I think that backs up the idea that we have a chiasm taking place here. Um, I think we have the same references to advocate on the front end as we do on the back end. I could be wrong about that. I would need to go back and double-check that. But uh, interesting that that direct reference shows up again. But then this advocate, when he comes, will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So... I what is being said there is it that like if there if there is a legal motif here there is almost like the same idea of certification earlier in John like there's a there, uh, maybe the word vindication would be better the advocate will come and it will be good for you cuz all kinds of things are going to happen and an assistance and an empowerment but one of the things that the advocate is also going to do is the advocate is going to vindicate you he's going to vindicate you in the midst of the world. And again, I don't hear world in the sense of like the world that God longs to save the world that he has compassion on. I hear that in the sense of a worldview of, uh, of empire, uh, that kind of world, the imperial world. And here, this advocate's going to test. I'm going to read it again. Let's see here. When he comes, he will prove the world wrong. Uh, I, I, in my head, I'm reading the 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 imperial worldview, the empire wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, and then goes on to break that down about sin, and then these next few verses. Is there any interesting NET notes in the next few verses, Brent? <laughs> yes,
0: on um, basically lovely. Uh, I I want to learn. Uh, they're they're so dense. I don't even know how to convey it. I would I would say people should read it. There's question about what. The individual words mean the sin, the righteousness, and the judgment. What those words mean, what they're referencing, uh, the effect of them that Jesus is talking about. Yeah, there's there's so much there. I don't know how to really convey it. I don't even feel like I have a good grasp of it entirely. Um, sure, but there's there's a lot there, and a lot of question, a lot of
1: like, sure, we don't quite know. So yeah. Well, and that's how I feel about it. I, I called it just a moment ago before I asked you that question. I called it dense, like it's a very dense three verses. Yeah, the footnotes themselves are equally quite dense. Yeah, I, and I don't have a whole bunch of conclusions. Like I, I can piece it together, but I'm aware. I'm aware that as I piece it together, it's being shaped and formed by my own biases, my own theology. I am definitely projecting as I shape these verses the way that I read it, and it's really good just to be aware of that. So about sin. Because they do not believe in me, so if I go with this idea that we're proving the imperial worldview, the empire wrong about sin and righteousness, sin because they do not believe in me. So if empire trusted the story, I'm just I'm I'm just vamping out loud here. I'm I'm processing externally, which I should never do on the Baymont podcast, but I'm just thinking this through. If the empire is wrong, if they, if they if they trusted the story. Well, they would end up in a totally different place. But since they don't believe in me, since they don't trust the story, I'm going to con- I'm going to convict them. I'm going to testify about the about sin, about missing the mark, about the destruct. When you don't trust the story, the destruction and tragedy that comes with that. About righteousness, and uh, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that this is good. Can you can you double check, Brent? Look this up on Blue Letter Bible. Make sure that's the. Diacabsune. diakonasune Greek word. Yeah, it is. It
0: is. Yep. And and the the uh NET footnotes say, you know
1: one of the questions that needs to be
0: answered is what does that word actually mean in this context.
1: Yes, cuz that's the big cuz they use one word in the greek to talk about righteousness and justice. And there is a relationship between those two things. Righteousness and justice being the the foundation of God's throne and and maybe maybe we don't have to figure out which one it's referencing but just that whole idea of restoration and shalom so about sin because they don't trust the story about restoration and shalom because I'm going to the father and you will see me no longer. So there's work to do, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if that's what's being said or not, to be honest. It doesn't feel quite right about judgment because the ruler of this world stands, so so when you so so the world doesn't trust the story, it leads to destruction. You do trust the story, it leads to restoration. And in the midst of that whole tension, in the midst of that clash between Empire and Shalom, those things, there's judgment. There is light is shown in dark places. You separate light from darkness. You show you show things to be what they really truly are. Is that what the sin, the righteousness, the judgment is that's being referenced? I, I don't know. But if the NET doesn't know either, then I don't feel nearly as bad, Brent.
0: Yeah, they kind of go on to
1: uh,
0: inject some PSA stuff in there. Um, oh, NET. But they, they do point out that this word for righteousness as far as John is concerned, only appears here in chapter sixteen. Oh,
1: fascinating! In all of John, yeah, no way. Oh gosh, wow, that's fascinating. That John doesn't use that word except for here in his gospel.
0: Wow, okay, that's fun. Yeah, and I would wonder if he talks about it in other places. What word is he using in the other places? Although I sure, I'm not sure he does. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it does appear. 92 times in general. Matthew uses it a handful of times. Luke only once. Um
1: fascinating.
0: John Ooh, only no. the one time here, and I mean he uses the word twice, but just uh-huh. in this in this context. Huh. So
1: Huh. Very interesting.
0: Romans is overflowing with the word. <laughs> Paul's gonna like that word quite a bit, yeah, yeah, and and really, in in all of paul's writings it's it's all over the place, yeah
1: paul and Paul and Matthew, I would imagine
0: John does come back and use it in first John, uh in three places first john two twenty nine first John three seven and three ten, yep, uh, and then he also uses it once in revelation nineteen eleven
1: wow, so interesting,
0: more homework for people, I think, well, I got no thundering resolution for you, there you go, yeah. That's fun. Interesting. Uh, Okay. Should we finish up the passage? Let's finish up the passage, see if there's anything left to talk about. Did I even finish? No, I didn't even finish that paragraph. Uh, Did I? I don't think I did. I think
1: you did, but you can can pick up wherever you want to. I'll let you.
0: When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer uh, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Go ahead. It's the same. It's the same idea. Like Jesus was talking earlier. Like, uh, I don't, I don't do things on my own. I do what I hear from the father and, and it's like, nope. this is going to function the same way. This is how we operate this, you know, this Godhead and, yeah, yep. It's it's not going to be something inconsistent. Like you're just you're hearing the same thing from different people, but it's all coming from one source.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I I I take I think I find a couple things. Well, one thing comforting about this closing little paragraph, and just another observation. I mean, I love this idea that Jesus says, "I have so much to tell you, but you couldn't bear it, like you couldn't handle it all." So this isn't about information dump. This isn't Jesus trying to make the most of his time before he runs out of time, because this isn't about an information transfer. Uh, and and Jesus is fine with that because he's like, but the Holy Spirit's coming and, and he's got that. Like he'll he'll lead you to all truth, all in the right time, all as you're able to understand it and bear it. And and I I don't see any difference between that and the and the stuff we're called to, the journey we're called to walk on today. Uh, w- w- would that not be true? Brentwood, do you think Jesus could look at us and say, oh, there's so much that you need to know, but you but you couldn't bear it? Do you suppose that's true with you and I today?
0: Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking about what he said uh, in the previous passage that we talked about in the last episode. Oh, yeah. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you past tense. We, we talked about that being past tense. And so then he goes on in this next passage. Section And he's like, oh, I got so much more to say, <laughs> but you already made it all known. So it's like, I, I wonder well, if it's, it's more or- of like, you don't have the experience. Like there's so much more to how this is going to play out, Yeah, but you do have everything that you need. Like I've already made it all known to you, but there's yes. just, there's just a yes. lot more to talk about. And the spirit's gonna guide you as you need that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't argue with that at all. And and honestly, if we're if we're as you know, as anti God goggle Jesus as we've always talked about, I, I see Jesus in the moment. I, I like how you just phrased it. I've given you everything you need. As I talk to you now, I'm realizing how much more I want to say to you. Cause because he's even in the moment hearing from the Father. He's in the moment connected to God, listening to God telling them what God wants to tell them. So even in that moment, he's like, oh man, there's just so much more. I've given you what you've needed. There's so much more, but the Holy Spirit's got that. And and yes, and I just see so much of myself in that, knowing that Jesus is like, oh man, there's so much more you need to learn. Like you were going to look back on yourself 10 years from now and think you were the biggest dumb dumb on the Bayma podcast and the things that you said, but the Holy Spirit's got that. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And, and I honestly, I take great, I'm greatly encouraged by that. And then I love the, the again, the book of glory. He will glorify me because he will take uh, what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus saying, in this work that I'm doing, in the place that I'm heading, in the stuff, I, I, I am your model. I am your example. And the same themes we've been looking at for the last few chapters, just continuing to play themselves out in this whole discourse. And I find that uh, oddly, strangely encouraging as I read this passage.
0: Yeah, and, and I think it's just the, the like, don't worry. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But I'm doing what the Father tells me, and I'm telling the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will tell you only what He receives from me. And there's just all of this, like, it's like, hey, don't worry that I'm leaving, because you're you're still gonna get like. Like, like Peter said, you alone have the words of eternal life or whatever. Like they have this comfort in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, don't worry, you're still going to have me. It's not going to look the same as it has for these last three years, but you're still going to have me. And also because you've had me and seen me, you've seen the father. And like, it's just all, all connected, all this one, the oneness. Yeah.
1: And it's not even a downgrade. It's... It's actually better, Jesus keeps saying. Like it's not even don't worry, I won't be here, but at least you'll have the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's a great consolation prize. It's I, I'm gonna show you what I've told you what you what I've what you need for now. I'm gonna show you what it looks like in flesh, and what you're gonna have from here on out is even better. Like what a what a great trajectory that is. And that's awesome.
0: When the spirit of truth comes, he will
1: guide you into all the truth.
0: I love how it phrased
1: that too. All the truth. (laughs) I heard that through a very uh, internet meme, millennial. uh, gillennial, listen to me. Generation Z millennial tone, like all the truth. I want to put a Z on the end of it. All the truths.
0: Okay. So another thing that the NET is um, talking about is like what, uh, when Jesus says the spirit of truth will come and guide you into all the truth, is he specifically, talking about the disciples there, or is he talking about everyone who's coming later? And it kind of, like, I don't know. Like, he is talking to his disciples at this
1: point, but I don't know. what it, I mean, unless they're making the case that the it's a non-quotation, it's coming from John and not the mouth of Jesus, I'm not sure how you could really make that point elsewhere personally and it's just a personal i mean like you're gonna hear it with multiple levels like you'll hear it as not only to the disciples but also to us i wouldn't argue with that but when jesus is actually speaking the words he's going to be referencing the disciples now it would be like john 17 where jesus has to say specifically i don't just pray for them but for all those that will come after them like you would almost have to change the reference in the prose Unless they're suggesting that the quote should end, John's making an editorial comment as an author and not coming from Jesus, which there is that conversation all throughout John. I'm not sure if there's any of that here, but oftentimes in John, there's debate about where the quotation should begin and end. Like in John 3 is one of the biggest conversations about how much is Jesus actually saying and how much is John saying. But. Yeah,
0: they're not making any argument there as far as the quotation. So, I, I think it's just like, yeah, Jesus, what are the
1: implications of it?
0: Jesus is addressing his disciples directly in this case, but yeah, is is it an implication for everyone who has the spirit? Further that's on, that's a great. Or is no. it something? Yeah.
1: Yep. No, I could I could understand that theological the, the theological implication of that. That's a big deal. It's kind of like the Great Commission. It's a Great Commission just for the apostles standing there, or for all of us right. that will come after them. And in this case, yeah, is that is that a promise theologically of revelation? Right. That is just for the appa. Another another one of Brian's questions. He loves to ask on Slack. Um, are these are these conversations that are is inspiration done or does it continue and all the, it's a revelation done and, and that whole debate so
0: yeah. yep yep that's exactly what they're trying to figure out well I think that's all I got Marty I think that's all I got it's
1: a good conversation today
0: yeah if you want to get a hold of Marty you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon you can find me at EIBCB we've made lots of references to the slack today so maybe you want to join the conversation is there there as well uh, I'll have that in the show notes if you want to jump in and and share your thoughts on all these things with uh, the larger Baymaw community on Slack. And of course, you can find more details about the show at bamostepship So, thanks for joining us on the Bayma Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: Did I just quote a new term, "gilenial"? I, I want that to go. I want that to go viral. <laughs> i want that i want hashtag gillennials i don't even know what it is it just feels awesome uh it is perhaps millennials
0: plus both generation x and generation z i'm having all of one it. one super group
1: the super group the super generation the gillennials oh man